Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Tig and Grok's Useless Hour for Stupid Idiots. I'm Grok, as always with me is Tig. Tig, how's it going? It's going. It's going. Uh, another week down, uh, and there's something we kind of wanted to get to right up at the top, because it's uh, something kind of important to both of us. That's uh, Dan Koa resigning from the uh, from the general management of the Texas Renegades. Uh Tig, I know that you're a little bit closer with Dan, so you want to take the top? Uh, yeah, no, it was. Um, I don't. I don't want to say unexpected. I know he'd kind of been toying with the idea of maybe you know um, stepping down. Uh, it it happened a little bit more suddenly than I expected. I think uh, in talking with him, he just kind of realized that it was a good time to step away, and he made the call. Um, but no, yeah, no, I mean, I think. Um, he deserves a lot of credit um, looking at where Texas is positioned right now. Um, their their growth over the last few seasons and the trajectory that they're on is fantastic. And he deserves a lot of credit for putting them on that, on that path. Absolutely. Um, absolutely agree with all that. So um, I, on a more personal note, he's been uh, one of my mentors as a GM since I started GMing way back in mm-hmm. 2018. So uh does kind of suck to see him step down from that position, but I mean he's he'll still be around, so he's not he's not gone. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's he's just always he's just always been the the Texas GM since I started, so right. Yeah. And I know I knew Dan a little bit less, but still and you know, we were both Detroit managements at the same time with him around. Yeah, I was in head office with him for a little bit, but I think the place where I kind of have the more personal note for this specific situation is in talking to him. Kind of, it, it is definitely not the same circumstances, but is a similar reason to when I stepped out of the J commissioner role. If you, a lot of credit to the people who have the time and energy and drive to dedicate to keeping this place really, really running in these kind of people management roles. But if you aren't careful, it'll take over your life in ways that are really not good. Uh, And for some people, they can make that work balance work. And for some people, it just gets overwhelming and you don't realize how much of your life gets tied up in the site. And for me, when I stepped out of that J commissioner role, it was, that's exactly what it was, was just realizing that it was taking up more of my life than I was able to give back to it. And, you know, for that, I kind of, I understand kind of where Dan was coming from in our conversations of, yeah, I stepped away for a few days and I realized that I have a lot of other stuff that I have to work on. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, and that's the thing is when you're, when you're so, when it's so ingrained and you're kind of down in the trenches, you don't see necessarily all the time mm-hmm. that you're taking on all this additional load on your shoulders and right that by the time it actually is something you notice it's a little bit too much and then that's that's where you see people burn out really quick right um and it sucks because a lot of time um people when they do burn out they they just end up leaving Mm -hmm. and even when those people come back a lot of the time it's not to the same extent that they were active before right uh so it's i'm in that sense i'm I'm glad he's kind of uh, stepping out of that role now, so he's does he doesn't get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and 
obviously, I mean, it's it's great for him personally. It's just like it's it's all right. balancing your mental health and what you're able to actually give to you know. At the end of the day, it's it's fake Sam hockey. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and not not that I'm trying to say anything bad about anybody who has the time and the energy and oh, the no, drive to get back to the site. I just understand asking for more responsibility that you know you can do, but not being able to balance it against your life or taking on more than you're able to balance. So all the respect to the people who can do it. I know that I couldn't. And from the conversations I've had with Dan, I know that he was the balance was going in the wrong direction for him. So just something I very acutely understand. So uh, stick taps for Dan. Uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the little bit of separation, and hopefully we still see you around. Yeah, definitely. And um, like I said, deserves a lot of credit for what he did in Texas. And they are well-positioned for the future, especially with the outlook in the Western Conference. Absolutely. Hey, they are sitting pretty, I will say. Absolutely. All right, into our hot topic, Dateline Montreal. The uh, head office announced league expansion for the SHL. Two new teams in season fifty-six. Wow, they did. I think. <laughs> I have never heard of this before. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think it was even before Corey kind of announced a few weeks ago that uh, HO was discussing it and it was a real possibility. I think everyone kind mm-hmm. of had their finger on that pulse for a while. It was the worst kept secret in the Simulation it, Hockey League. It, it, it was such a badly kept secret that I don't even think it was a secret. It was just kind of a, an assumption that it was going to happen at some point for a lot of people. <laughs> right. Not even necessarily uh, an assumption that it was going to happen, but an assumption that it was coming next season and everybody was preparing for it without the announcements or anything. Yeah, it was... Uh, well, even just looking at like the, the draft classes in the J, like, I mean, obviously we just mm-hmm. had a Reddit recruitment that wasn't incredible and the draft class was still big enough. Right. And that's been going on for a few seasons now, so we're, we're just getting to the point where the, the J was overstuffed. Uh, mm-hmm. Prospect pools are overstuffed. Teams are having to play people on the third line, and even even without a fourth line mm-hmm. anymore in the SHL, you know, there's right very there's, limited there's, upward movement in a roster. There's something kind of weird going on when the junior league has four lines of players and three pairings on every single team, and the SHL doesn't have fourth lines. Yeah, definitely, and I, I think. Um, it it does make sense to a degree for for the J just because you do have a f- mm-hmm. more people that you know come and go yeah. as new right. players. It's just it's just the nature of um, recruitment. There's not everyone's going to stick, so you need right. you need more spaces. But uh, the the SHL badly needed more spaces, and I, as yes. I think became evident, and uh, obviously HO agreed. Mm-hmm. I, I say HO as if I. You know, wasn't as if there. you weren't making the decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah. But once once the decision was final, I was out of that, uh, out of HO within minutes. Right. So, um, that's yeah. So that 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 that, that was something we knew was coming. Um, um, just 
I remember talking with Corey a while back. I said, if if that if this is ever something that happens, I, I'm going to apply. So just uh, I just wanted to be upfront about it. And then it ended up happening, and I'm no longer with HO. So we don't end up with any, you know, complaints that my meddling hands were involved. Yep, that's something that's definitely never happened with an expansion team in the SHL before. Yes. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> So I think the big question here, the biggest change that we really have is the post-expansion uh, playoff format. That's a really big question because of how our sim engine handles playoffs. So it sounds like the, the move is to a 12-team playoff format starting uh, in the first season of expansion. Yeah, that's right. I think um, with, with, with FHM, you have kind of the rule of fours when it comes to uh, playoff format. So you have the option between 8, 12, and 16 uh, teams in a, in, in a playoff round, or in a playoff format. Obviously, we've been using 8, um, and 8 out of 16 teams is not a lot. Um, but then, of course, mm-hmm. the flip side is you, you can't have um, all of them making it, that would be a little bit crazy for the SHL. It would really devalue the entire regular season. And 12 of 16 is, again, a little bit too much. There, there's just too many teams <laughs> making it at that point. But uh, in addition to all the other benefits of expansion, being able to move to 12 out of 18 teams making it, that's a much better percentage that kind of fits with making a balanced regular season that actually is worth something. Right. And, and with the with the absence of like a 10 team option, expanding yeah. to expanding and making it 12 teams is better than going to 12 with 16 or staying at 8 with 16. Exactly. Yeah. I mean it's 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 going to be good I think for engagement as well just a few extra teams making it um, does make a difference. You're going to see some teams that have been just outside the cut line a few times in the past few seasons, have a little bit more hope of making it. Mm-hmm. And and that's good, because I think that also is going to help with this uh, this whole super team thing that's kind of cropped up as a result of FHM. Yeah, yeah and... I know I have, I have thoughts on that. <laughs> I do also, and I know this is kind of outside of the uh, purview of expansion, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on the uh, on the kind of super teams that showed up in. I I think a lot of decisions were made by teams off of um, let's let's call it a monkey see monkey do um, theory of decision making, <laughs> where they saw that some teams were you know selling off, doing a hard sell. Like obviously Tampa led the way on that, as as we've seen. Um, and then they kind of realize that, hey, if, if, I guess we have to do that too, because uh, the general knowledge about FHM is that it punishes bad teams right. and it rewards very, very good teams. Mm-hmm. I think that has been blown out of proportion a bit too much. You can still be a good but not great NFHM. Right. Where... <laughs> What will kill the good team is when all of the bad teams send their players to already existing very good teams to create these super teams. So now there's this obscenely good top tier 
that's mm-hmm. just passing down on everyone else in the league. Right. And there's, there's no hope for any middle tier team. So I and have... There's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with selling off your assets. It's just I think there's um, there's there are a lot of teams that I think... Uh, like, for example, New England. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's possible there's... I, I am not in any of these locker rooms. There might have been reasons for these trades that are not necessarily the play on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- I think when you look at some of these trades, there, there are teams that could have actually, you know, stayed in a little bit. They could have fought for bubble spots. And mm-hmm. I know that's not the end goal for a team. You obviously want to build a championship team. But I feel like this this whole idea that you need to be a super team in FHM kind of... F- became a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit. You know, I I generally agree, but I kind of agree on a different slant. So I've all, I've viewed kind of this trade the sell-off buy-up season as just a symptom of how our metagame is different from the real-world metagame that we're simulating. So when you look at real NHL teams, you're managing budgets, and you are bringing in money through merchandise sales and gates, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, your goal is to make money for an ownership group who owns your team, and for the league, which organizes your play and protects your players. Well, theoretically, protects your players. That's what they're supposed to do. Do they do it? Nah. <laughs> so, in that world, there's a lot of value to being a bubble team because that gives you additional games into the postseason. That gives you opportunities to upset uh, other teams in the postseason. It makes things a lot, or it gives you more opportunities to bring money into your organization, which is, at the end of the day, is the goal, right? Within our world of the SHL, nothing at that ownership or at that revenue generation level exists for managers. They have no fiscal stake in the, in the team and no fiscal reason to no fiduciary duty to success. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because if, if you fail, well, who cares? You don't get fired for losing. You don't get fired for coming in last place in the league. You don't get fired for not making trades Right, You don't get fired for having a negative balance sheet at the end of the season. You don't get fired for bringing in 2,000 people for a 16,000-seat arena. Where in real life, you would. They would bring somebody else in, and they would figure out ways to fix it. Or they would just fold the franchise and move it somewhere else, and you wouldn't have a job anyways. So without that fiduciary duty, there's no reason to try and be a bubble team. So we've seen, and and that's kind of the second symptom, or the, I guess, the second cause, which is that our player skill levels are a lot more stratified than a real league. The difference between the top and the bottom in our league is dramatically different than the difference between the top and the bottom in, like, the NHL or even in European leagues or the AHL or even the East Coast League. Right, the difference between the top and the bottom teams in those leagues is a lot less severe. So when you have those two things together, you say, okay, well, if I'm a bubble team, I might make playoffs, but I'm probably not going to make it past round one. 
and I can sell my all of my star players for free without any danger to my job. So why don't I just sell and spend two seasons rebuilding and then be buy up in free agency when my when my prospects hit the big leagues? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Um, it's it's it all kind of ties into that whole idea of you know teams basically deciding that not being successful is an option for a right. while. <laughs> right, exactly, and and um, it, it's it's kind of those contrasting uh, pressures of you know mm-hmm. can thinking that they can't succeed. And also not caring if they do for <laughs> several seasons because they've have it in their mind that that's actually better. And right. in some cases, yeah, can be. Mm-hmm. It's just um, from from a management perspective, I am very very conscious of the fact that activity is difficult to maintain when the team sucks. That's true. It's hard to get up in the morning when you, and I, I, I say this: I, Detroit has been bad this season. It's um, sometimes very difficult to make myself check the scores um, in the afternoon when when Cal starts simming and I'm at work and I know I'm not able to. I haven't been able to watch a lot of the streams this season, <laughs> but uh, checking in on Discord and seeing it's just like, oh, it's another loss. It's it it, it, yeah. it wears on you. I am right. I I I, I have every stake in this right for somebody that's just the player it's it's very easy to tune out and then kind of you know suddenly you're you're only doing the the activity check every week Mm -hmm. suddenly you're you're doing it every other week and then it just it just kind of it's it's very easy to lose people uh so i I think it's 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 one of those cases where it's like how how bad do you really want to get Right, and believe me, I'm with you on all of that right now, and we'll get to some of that when we get to the mid-season review. Uh, but yeah, it's I'm personally of the opinion, and I think a lot of people will disagree with me, but I'm personally of the opinion that head office should put a little bit more pressure on underperforming GMs or on deliberately tanking GMs than they do now because there's no ownership level simulation in our league but that that's a conversation we can have in another time yeah i what well, well, we yeah we can make that a future <laughs> a future conversation because i'm not sure i i'm not sure how on board i am with that but i would need to yeah well i i also have a much more uh pessimistic opinion of managers in this league in general having been one but well, we'll we'll get into that another day, because we got more stuff to go through on our agenda today. And up next is uh is Dateline head office SHL and SMJHL head office SHL JR resigning from the head simmer position for the SHL effective at the end of the season. Uh, another one stick taps for JR, longtime simmer for the SHL. Uh, a huge part of keeping simming stable in the transition from STHS to FHM. Uh, longtime site user, general manager. Uh, understandable that uh, it was that it may have been the time to start 
handing some of those responsibilities to other users. Uh, but definitely not saying that in any way to, to claim that it was his time to leave because uh, he was a very effective simmer for a long time. And this sounds like this will be his last. Yeah, definitely. It's um, I have a ton of respect for the simmers because that's they do a lot more than I think people see, um, and, especially especially with FHM. Right. Uh, the amount of file work that's required is so so many orders of magnitude above what S, uh, SDHS astronomical. Um. So yeah, no, I I, I can see why that would be <laughs> a little bit much at times. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I think he's he's earned his rest. That's for sure. Absolutely. And um, good news for everybody watching the SHL stream. Since you are getting Calicar, who is fantastic. I don't know if uh, a lot of people tend to not watch the junior streams. Um, so you're in for a treat. Absolutely. Calicar has done an incredible job making the making the J streams not just into a part of the not just into like a ritual of the of the league, but into like a full media experience that's engaging for the players, that's engaging for the managers. Uh, has invested a lot of time and uh, effort, and uh, from what I understand, funds into uh, getting quality presentation and making a real uh, full media experience out of it. Uh, in a way that's super awesome. And I'm really looking forward to him bringing that into the SHL. I have to imagine that the conversation between Calicar and uh, and Corey was, hey, if you if you want the job, you got it, just say the word. And if it uh, wasn't, then <laughs> it should be. If I remember, I remember seeing, uh, like, I obviously I'm, I'm out of HO at this point, so I have no idea what actually went mm -hmm. on, but I remember mm -hmm. seeing the hiring post go up. And it might be that I just blanked out for a few days, but I swear it was the next day I checked back and he'd already been hired. Right. Uh, so I, <laughs> if I have my timeline <laughs> correct, I'm pretty sure it was he submitted his app and it was just instantly rubber right. stamped. And <laughs> right. Like, no, no disrespect to the folks who uh, work, who help out with the IIHF and the WJC, and no disrespect to all the people who have the game and are interested in kind of moving into a simmer position, but this is the biggest no-brainer hire that I think I've ever seen on the entire site. Yeah, it was... It, it wasn't even a question, really. Right. Uh, and that means by the end of the season, the SMJHL simmer position will be open. It's. Uh, I think the hiring post went up either yesterday or this morning. Yeah, so... That's so. going to be the that's the really big question is who's going to fill those shoes because I mean the J is a good position a good place to kind of get some practice and being able to study under Calicar is uh, a huge draw for anybody who's interested in that but it is a lot of time and effort and uh, and big shoes to fill for Cal from Calicar so I'm really curious who applies into this position and who's uh, going to go for it for the J next season yeah I'm not I'm not sure who's applying um flareon is the backup uh simmer right uh so that's a pretty natural candidate if he yeah the air appearance uh, if you will yeah it um I, i'd say he'd probably have a, a leg up on any application just mm -hmm. on the merit of having been there he's done it a few times uh when cal's been away um i think it was uh, agent smith did the simming for ihf 
um, this past off season. Um, yeah, because I remember the the season before that, Calicar filled in because nobody was available, right? Yeah, so uh, Agent, and Agent Smith did a good job there. So I mean, he's he's another candidate again if he if he decides to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I have absolutely no idea. There could be some dark horse in there, but uh, those, right. those would be the two names that I would. If if I had I, to if I had to pick one out of a hat, it'd be one of those two names. Right, those are probably the two candidates that are the most visible. But outside of that, I have to imagine anybody else who applied who had a real who has a real shot at the uh, lead simmer position would have to be either a longtime user or a uh, or a previous retired simmer. Which I know we got a couple of those floating around. I doubt Evox lining up to apply with a with her new team, but. I know we've got a couple more older simmers that are available. And, yeah, that's also a possibility. And then, of course, uh, Agent Smith and Flareon, either of them breaking into the J position opens up new backup positions, so no need to uh, no need to feel defeated if you are considering applying and don't have the direct experience yet. Absolutely. And, I mean, especially for... The, the newer users, I know there are actually several of them that do own and use FHM quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if if jobs like these are open, even if you don't think you're going to get it, just apply. Just yep. if, if, if it's something you want to get involved in, apply, have conversations with HO. Uh, there might be other positions that are in the works for various things. Could be file working. I know, I think actually file working um, is an open job at the moment. Right. So there you go. Uh, there's just there, there's a ton of different ways to get involved, but uh, a lot of them are easy to miss. Um, mm-hmm. And I always see <laughs> uh, newer users having a little bit of trouble getting jobs sometimes. So it's it's definitely something yeah. to keep your ear to the ground about. But also, don't just assume that you shouldn't apply because yeah. everyone has uh, a shoe in candidate. Just, yeah. Just go for it. Just just get your name in there. Mm-hmm. Yep, sometimes you'll be surprised. And even if you're not, if you're a new user, and I mean, I, I really don't mean this to be like rude or flippant, but if you're a new user to the site uh, and you're interested in moving into these kind of head office roles, you need to start applying ASAP because head office doesn't know who you are. And that's not to be mean and it's not to be like flippant or rude, but it's just true. Head office doesn't know who you are yet. And if you start applying and start having conversations and they recognize you, that'll improve your chances as you go. Is that necessarily fair? Uh, is that how the world works? Yes. So if you're interested, definitely apply, even if you weren't even if you weren't mentioned by name in our podcast, and that is a reason for you to feel self-conscious or whatever. Still apply. It's it's the right thing to do. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Moving on. SMJHL. It is the mid-season right now. We are uh, we have multiple teams, or every team's got at least twenty games played. We're between twenty-one and twenty-five. Uh, any big picture thoughts right now? I have some breakdowns we can kind of get into in a little bit. I've got some uh, leading some leading storylines, but what do you think of the season big picture right now? Brings me immense sadness every time I look at the standings. <laughs> Back to you, Grok. All right, let's talk about some storylines here. The first one, the one that I think is the most interesting, really, is uh, the middle of the Eastern Conference, the main timber, the St. Louis Scarecrows. 
Scarecrows have a game in hand, both teams at 23 points, and you really couldn't ask for two more different teams to be jockeying for third place in this conference. Uh, the Timber, super exciting team to watch. Uh, 80 goals for 72 against means they have the highest amount of goals per game of any team, I think, in the league right now. Uh, St. Louis, Scare- at, at the very least, they're very close. Yeah, they are. I think uh, Newfoundland has um, five more goals in one less game. Yeah, and, they have, yeah, yeah, they have more goals for, but Newfoundland very good at score suppression. The Timber games are more interesting because for those eighty goals for, they have seventy-two against, so scoreboards yeah. running high on both sides in those games. It is the Chicago Edmonton series in the NHL, but just in the same <laughs> form. Oh, I didn't expect you to say anything about that. Uh, uh, I, I I regretted it as soon as I brought it up because now I know people are going to be reminded that I'm an Oilers fan and they're going to dunk on me. But well, I, nothing, I, no, no words can hurt me because the hockey gods have dunked on me by making me an Oilers fan. Right. I'm not doing any dunking because I don't want there to be any karma come lottery time. I, I will say this now. We will go off topic and go back to real hockey for a sec here. <laughs> if the Oilers win the lottery. I refuse to feel bad, and I'm going to laugh. <laughs> because the NHL deserves it. They well, deserve Pittsburgh or Edmonton winning because of the way they set this up. That's, <laughs> that's, that's probably fair, yeah. <laughs> I don't really have anything, any disagreement to make on that. Uh, but, <laughs> Back to the uh, real stuff. Yeah, the counterpoint to the... Uh, to the terribly exciting main timber are the surprisingly boring St. Louis Scarecrows. Not that they're boring people, but that 57 goals for 65 goals against in 22 games and still managing uh, a managing a 50%, a 52% win rate uh, and 23 points. They're just two very different teams in Maine and St. Louis jockeying for this, uh, for this third place position. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, and that's one thing I do kind of appreciate about um, FHM is there are a few different ways to skin a cat as far mm-hmm. as roster construction. You don't, you don't always have to build the same way like you did in SDHS. Like there, there, there was one strat in SDHS, right? And was, even in terms of actual tactics and line construction, like you just ran all yeah. offense on your forwards, and right. That, that was basically it. You ran all offense on your forwards, uh, and then one four or two three on your uh, on your defensemen. Maybe you run a one four on your fourth line if you have them, and hope that your goalie puts up a nine ten, and that's it. Yeah, and that's you, all you can do. Exactly. There was no way to like force a low event gain. Right, and then even then there were only like two or three uh, player builds in the meta at that point, too. You had a shooting player, you had a passing um, player, you had a checking player, and that was it. This is pre-Hamilton we're, t- we're talking? Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I distinctly remember the game <laughs> won by the end of it. Yeah, um, well. <laughs> fun times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're very different teams. The one thing I will say long term, St. Louis's schedule in the next uh, in their next twenty games 
is rough. It's not easy. Uh, let me pull this up. So in the in their next, I guess it's the next like thirty-ish games of their season, remaining thirty-ish games. Uh, they see Kelowna like four times. They see Newfoundland five times. They see the Carolina Kraken five times. Uh, it's their schedule is not easy down the stretch. So I can't imagine them keeping up with Maine for that long. But very interesting to see those two squarely in the middle of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, that'll that'll be an interesting race to finish. I'm not. Uh... I, I should know how the divisions look. I just can't remember mm-hmm. off the top of my head right now. Um, just because I, ha- I haven't been paying that much attention to the standings <laughs> because I just don't want to look at them this year. Right. Uh, you know, you know where you are, you know where you are and that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. I, just, <laughs> I, I see these losses and I'm just like, well, I guess we don't have any more points. No point. No, more, no point in checking the standings today. Um, right. You're going to make the playoffs yeah, we, and you know you're we got a couple wins today. It was good. It was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, no, that'll, that'll be an interesting race to the finish for those two teams. I'm not sure, depending on which divisions they're in and how that's, um, that's, that's the other thing as I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how the seating for the 12 team playoff works. Yeah. I don't know if divisional being, (laughs) um, being second in your division might mean a play in round. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, I believe it is divisional. I believe it's a divisional so, twelve-team playoffs with two divisions. Yeah. So in that case, I think what would happen is it, you'd be you'd see St. Louis and Detroit play because at this point nobody's catching Carolina or Newfoundland. So if, yeah, it, I, if, it's, mm. if it's a format, I think it will be, and it's divisional. Mm-hmm. It'll be uh, St. Louis, Detroit, first round as a play-in, and uh, Quebec. Maine as a play in on um, um, in the East at least, right? Um, for the right to um, <laughs> go lose in the next round <laughs> um, <laughs> to get thrashed by either Carolina or Newfoundland. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I think that's how it works. Um. We'll have to yeah, see. And, uh, it's, still... it makes it weird and complicated to see these things sometimes. Yeah. From what I understand, it's like a play-in round and then a reseed, like a divisional reseed. Yeah, yeah. Which shouldn't change things too much in a six-team conference. No, and uh, again, it, 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 at that point, it's it's basically just a vehicle to get to the, the conference final of Newfoundland, Carolina. Right. Uh, what would be the, the fun chaos option is if um, they ended up playing for, um, for the conference finals. Right. That would be funny. That would then, be wild. Then, would... then you theoretically only need one fluke series to have a team mm-hmm. kind of pull a Cinderella story. And I mean, Maine could get their TPE up there enough to pull one out, like to pull the rug out from Carolina or something. If they, if Maine goes in with, you know, four heat on their goalie and close enough to cap and Carolina comes in having just uh, barely squeezed out seven, in seven games against Newfoundland or something. There's there's a chance. Oh yeah, like, but again, that's uh, I, I, unlikely. <laughs> I uh, think, unfortunately, that is a polite way to I'm, put it. I'm generally just a fan of chaos. I like 
funny stuff happening, except when I'm the one it's happening to. Well, you're in chaos. Speaking of chaos, let's take a look at the West. And uh, Kelowna is firmly in first place in the West. 36 points with uh, the Raptors have three games in hand and are nine points behind. Uh, The Armada have two games in hand and are five points behind. Kelowna is solidly in the lead in that conference. But Anchorage Armada, 23 games, 31 points. Anaheim Outlaws, 24 games, 30 points. Colorado Raptors, 22 games, 27 points. So all three of these teams separated by four points, all within striking distance of each other for potentially a playoff buy in the West. Yeah, no, that's that's going to be interesting. I think um, I think Kelowna yeah. probably got their their spot locked down for a buy. Not locked down yet, mathematically, but mm-hmm. I, I think I think they'll be fine. Right. It, it would take some serious catching up to do by uh, by Anaheim. Really, that's what it comes. Yeah, down I, to. I, it's it, and it's this happens in the NHL too. It's always funny, kind of in that last. Uh, home stretch of 20 games or so around the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. People are looking at these, you know, it's like, oh, it's five points between this team that's out of the playoffs and the team that's ahead of them. And it's just like, yeah, that's 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 two and a half wins. That's yeah. actually not that much yeah. in absolute terms. But then you also, it's like you need to be catching up the points. So every right. team, that team in front of you wins. It takes quite a lot to gain five points in the standings. And it will often take the full 25 games for that to happen if it is going to happen. Right. Because Um, you're not trying to, you're not gaining five points. You're gaining five points more than Kelowna. Yeah. And doing that is very challenging. Um, So I think they're going to be fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The dogfight will be uh, Anchorage, Anaheim, Colorado. Um, Mm -hmm. I would, I would give an edge to Anchorage. Um. They've, so I agree. Fantastic. I agree. Their goaltending is fantastic. Their defense came into the season great and has only been better. They're leading, or actually, they're second to only Newfoundland in the league in goals against with 45 in 23 games. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to break through, especially for Colorado. I, I they're close, but they really are making a lot of money out of overtime losses more than any other team in the league. I can't imagine that's sustainable. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, it's at at the end of the day, it's um, <clears throat> anything's possible with a hot goalie. Right. Um, people love to meme on goalie heat because it is quite literally RNG. Right. But Building up favor- favorable RNG that's uh, a little bit more slanted towards your own success. Um, it it can help, and sometimes that's literally just having the sim decide that one day you're winning a game very very handily, and your goalie gets a shutout. Yep, he gains and heat, performs better in the next game, gains another heat. It, it can just snowball so quickly that your team just becomes a juggernaut over a abs- seven or eight game stretch. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's that's one thing that I pe- think people misunderstand a lot about the sim, and not just here, but in real life sports as well. Is you're not trying to create conditions where you will always win, because if that's what you're seeking, you're going to fail. You're trying to create 
conditions where you have the highest probability of winning. Exactly. And that's where goalie heat makes a difference, even though it seems like some nebulous whatever, which it is, controlling it is still better for you over the largest sample size. And it's it's always funny, especially with goalies too, because people get so worked up about it with with the heat system just because it exists and it's visible. Right. Uh, but it's it, even in real life, it's it's just a meme now. Goalies are voodoo. They like, are, yeah. Goalies are voodoo. Like you could put prime hashik in net, and who knows? Ninety-five percent of the time, he's going to be great. Mm-hmm. But and and, and at night, he might let in ten, just be, just because that's how it works. And on top of that, in real life and in a and in SHL, it will always mat. It will always be easier to control the quality of your defense than the quality of your goaltending. And exactly. we can especially see that up in the SHL level when you look at teams like I'm going to point it uh, at Buffalo because Buffalo has how many 2K uh, defensemen? A lot. Uh, too too many. Too many. Yeah. And also is putting up incredible goaltending numbers, which uh, props to Evoc for building a good goalie, but also you can better control for goaltending if you have good defense. Exactly. The only goaltending that's predictable is Edmonton when they have Mike Smith in net. Correct. Because you know it's guaranteed bad. Well, no, there's one other predictable goaltending, and that's uh, St. Louis, the St. Louis Blues with a... Uh, no-name 29-year-old in net. They're going to put up a 930 on the season and get traded to a bottom feeder and then put up an 870 and retire. Yeah, I, I'm going to break off on another little NHL tangent here. Uh, I, I've, I've never liked Brian Elliott. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this, this goes back to his... I, I'm, I'm a, I was a goalie coach for a long time, and right. uh, my, my best friend is also a, a goalie coach. And um, so we just, we hated his technique a ton mm-hmm. when he played for the Senators, because my, my best friend's a Sens fan. Right. And so it just became a thing where we just couldn't stand him. And then he goes to St. Louis, and he plays for Hitchcock and sets the save percentage record. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, we still, it's like this, still this grave personal insult to both <laughs> of us that Brian Elliott has the save percentage record in a single season. Right, and he has it because he played in a defensive system with uh, <laughs> at least two of the best defensemen of the era playing in front of him, and some of the best defensive sensors in the league playing in front of him, and uh, nobody who could play offense well anyways, except for uh, number 91. So, of course he set the record, because they couldn't win a game if he didn't. Hitchcock hockey is a different experience. <laughs> oh my fucking god, I know. It's better than the Mikey O hockey that I had to deal with for 60 that's, fucking games. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, goaltending. Goal it's uh, yeah. Just accept that you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's exactly like real life in that way. Like, Correct. People get so worked up about it because their goalie has five heat and lays an egg. It's just like, yeah, like... <laughs> Carey <laughs> Car- yep. Price just stole a series from Montreal. He could go in game one versus whoever Montreal is going to play and get lit for seven. Yeah. Because that, that's absolutely. how goaltending works. I was a goalie. Mm-hmm. I know how this works. <laughs> in fact, and- I, I know better than anyone about letting in goals. I'm terrible. 
my, my junior career goals against average is like six and a half. <laughs> Uh, and 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 I mean, this is also kind of to go on an advanced stance, advanced stats tangents. The goaltending being completely unpredictable is also the entire reason PDO works. Like that advanced stat does not work without the unpredictability of shooting percentage and save percentage. Yeah, exactly. Um, go- Goaltending is the first thing that I look at uh, when I see a player in the NHL that's being, you know, tossed on the trade block and run through the <laughs> the ringer and the media. Right. There's a very very strong correlation between a player <laughs> having a really terrible on ice save percentage mm-hmm. and them being traded. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's it's actually oh, it's same thing with shooting percentage that that does also happen to the, quite the same extent, but save percentage mm-hmm. especially because coaches hate goals against more than they like goals. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's, it's a pretty major mindset issue in the NHL, but that's a whole other, right. a whole other thing. But that's, um, that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last thing I want to kind of get on for uh, juniors, uh, I have... For two seconds, Carolina and Newfoundland, they're fighting for the top. They're going to until the end. I have to imagine that the 818 win percentage Newfoundland has is going to carry them through, but we'll see. Um, yeah, how many? do we know how many times they play each other the rest of the season? Because that can. will probably determine it. I can check. Um, let me spell Carolina correctly, and I'll tell you. Carolina and Newfoundland play each other two more times. Two more times. Oh, that might not make the difference then. Um, it's it's been interesting oh. that they've because um, they were both up around uh, what was it a nine hundred win percentage mm-hmm. for the first twenty games, and they've kind of come back down to earth a little bit in the last seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's partially a condition of the the league around them. You know, having a couple of weeks of updates in, mm-hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see. I selfishly hope that uh, Detroit's eighty-four point record stands. I'm hoping because so too. It, it'd, it'd be a real shame if I lost that <laughs> <so> <laughs> already. <laughs> uh, Wait through will... ten seasons of bullshit to finally have <laughs> my day, and then it's just gone. <laughs> uh, I will say Carolina's schedule is pretty weak. In the next, uh, in the next thirty, or the next twenty-five, I guess they see Detroit three times. They see Quebec Ooh, three times. Yeah, they see Detroit three times, Quebec three times, Nevada twice, and Vancouver twice. Yeah, that's. Uh... Then St. Louis five times. Uh, so between those, like seventeen. Of their remaining, God, how many? Yeah, those like seventeen-ish of their remaining. That's napkin math. Don't don't count me. Public math. Uh, of their <laughs> remaining, twenty-six are either guaranteed wins or pretty close, or at least should win games. Yeah, a little, I think, a little, mm, uh, going a little going back to my my experience of being a, a dominant team, those were the games that <clears throat> Detroit choked in that season. Right. <laughs> Uh, just teams teams that really had no business beating us 
It would just be mm-hmm. it, those. Those would always be the games where the goalie would just like let in five goals in a period and just be like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> so FHM may have other plans, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, but that's that's definitely I would say a favorable schedule, right? Um, and they what they have. Um, Newfoundland also has two games in hand, which helps. True. So, Especially for teams that are winning 80% of their games. Yeah. And uh, just to round it out, so everyone's making the playoffs anyways, but to round it out, Detroit, Vancouver, Quebec, uh, and Nevada. Eight, six, five, and four wins apiece. Looks like that's our lottery crew for the season. Uh very interesting to start, uh, but I really think that Quebec won't stay so low as the season goes on. They have a lot of active players on that roster. Yeah, no, they've they've done a good job early. Um, they should they should actually be pretty well positioned. It's good. It's it's tough to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that's it. it it's a lot different than SHL expansion because the the skill gap is a lot closer together. Right. Uh, in, in the J, like the difference between a, a 155 and a 425 is not quite as big as, you know, <laughs> Tampa, Tampa playing a 200 uh, TP inactive D and, you know, Stamkos fan coming in with this almost 2300 <laughs> TP on him. Um, right. Slight, slight difference. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, things also happen quicker in the J. So you <clears throat> getting a good head start definitely helps them. Right. Um, but I, I'm a, I, I'm a big believer in the fact that the, in the J, you just <clears throat> some cycles it's just not going to happen for you. Yep. And it's just positioning yourself then for the next cycle and continuing to be competitive. You can you can be consistently competitive. Outside of you needing a reset now and again, yeah. But it's sometimes that cycle is just going to be what—that's the one that puts you over the top, and that's where you pour all of your resources into making sure that you're a top team there. Yeah, I kind of suspect that as this meta continues evolving in FHM, that uh, trades are going to start looking more similar to uh, to junior trades in real life, where you know, like nine picks go out of a team for the top two forwards on a middle-of-the-pack team. Yeah. They're just like, I need a rebuild. Well, I can win a cup this season. Okay, here's all of my picks for the next two seasons. Give me two guys and just, like, massive, stupid, idiot trades. And <laughs> So I think that with FHM, we're going to see that more often, but I would hesitate to say that for sure. That would that would be interesting. The the trade market uh the last several seasons has been pretty ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, like uh, the occasional trade happens and I'll sometimes see them and I'll just be like, "What?" <laughs> Cuz there, be there will be nothing happening on the trade market. And then suddenly first round picks are getting moved and it's just like <laughs> Like what? What's happening here? Like, yeah. uh, but in general, it's it's pretty dead because everyone's full, right? Um, so even there there have been times in the last couple of seasons where like teams have been 
you're trying to ship guys off and there's just no one has any interest. There's nowhere to put them. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, even the, when uh, Detroit, when we had our good year a couple seasons ago there, you know, we, we picked up a guy um, to be our fourth line center just mm-hmm. as an insurance because we were able to get a good deal on him. It was a price point we were comfortable with adding. And he was our fourth line center until the middle of the finals. We put him as our, one of our third pair defensemen because that's a thing you can do in the J that you can't do in the SHL. Right. I remember that. Uh, uh, rest in peace. And, and I th- he either had like an assist on a game winning goal or he scored the game winning goal or something in game five of the finals. And it was, <laughs> it, that was, that was where my management career peaked as far as big brain moves. Because <laughs> uh, as an aside, like Nora was not overly on board with making that trade. <laughs> like he was, he was sitting there to see, I'm sure he had like a little thesis typed up. That was just going to shit on me if we lost. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we did. <coughs> he he will never be able to use it. Never will. Uh, let's let's briefly talk SHL. Uh, I think we we mentioned this like in our pre-show, but I don't think anything in the SHL is really surprising. Texas is a little bit underperforming what we expected. New England is a little overperforming what we expected from our last show. I don't think there's a ton to talk about here. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, like, weirdly enough, I think Hamilton's done worse than I think we were expecting. Not, in, But then you look at the standings, Hamilton's doing fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just just being in Hamilton, some of the losses we've had this year have just been like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just, we're, we're losing those, like, some of these games that, like, just we shouldn't really. Um. And like you know, we're we're losing the occasional close one to like Buffalo and or um, some other teams like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but like losing losing a overtime game to New England in the second sim of the season is yeah, not exactly. where you want to be. It's not. It's not great. Um, so like we see these happen because I, I haven't really been paying that uh, that close attention to the SHL standings. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because my, my attention is usually focused on the on the J. But I just when I was looking before the show, I was like, "We're we're actually not doing bad," <laughs> based on the general atmosphere after some of these losses. I thought we were doing way worse. <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, it it really depends sometimes on who you're losing to. Like, yeah, a shootout loss to uh, say, let me look at the standings and see who's a good choice. A shootout loss to like Calgary or. Uh, Winnipeg or Texas? Why did those standings change when I went back? Did we just upload a? Did a sim just happen? Uh, yeah, I think there was one happening. Oh, okay, think, well, I Texas. Think, I think, uh, yeah, Hamilton went zero two in this one, so we're now way down. Yeah, yeah, oh, Hamilton dropped. What was I saying earlier? <laughs> we were uh, doing fun. Texas jumped Winnipeg and LAP. So, uh, scratch all that shit that I just said. Uh, everything is going exactly the way that I expected, uh, and I was right the whole time. Yeah, yeah, we we can we can scrap that out. We like we we have the power to, you know, clear out any mistakes that we mentioned. Uh, right, right. Submitting the podcast. Right, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, I I won't, but we could. Yeah, well. Yeah, well, uh, I am kind of. Su- I guess I'm not. I shouldn't say I'm surprised, but seeing New England, not New England, New Orleans, with a ninety percent win rate is a little surprising to me. 
yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I, they, they don't have to play any of the um, the Eastern Crucible very often. Right. Uh, their, their number of matches in the Thunderdome is pretty limited. I would, but, I, w- I would also wonder if more of those Eastern Conference games are coming in the second half for them. Yeah, that's that's actually what I was going to check right now. It was they haven't played Buffalo. They've played oh, Chicago yeah. once. Uh, they haven't played Hamilton. They've played Manhattan once. Okay. So maybe that's and... not entirely sustainable. Cause then that looks at that looks at two Buffalo games. Uh, a Manhattan game, two Chicago games, and a Hamil or two Hamilton games and a Chicago game in their back twenty-five. I yeah, I, I I will say that having done quite a lot of you know test simming, uh, not necessarily SHL focused, mm-hmm. but like the the Sims the sim itself doesn't necessarily like a team getting ninety points in fifty games. Right. That's in, that's in the very very outer edge of what's what's achievable. Right. Um, Cause I know like when I was doing te- test sims for our season in Detroit, a couple of seasons ago, there were, there were test sims where I got 91 points, but that's, that's, that's an outlier. <laughs> right. And that assumes uh, absolutely no changes in player stats or tactics yeah. too. Um, and, and with them having to actually play more of the Eastern conference in the second half, mm-hmm. I, I don't see them pulling that off. Um, they do have the advantage of getting to play a, a couple of those Western teams a little bit more. It's it, it, so that that explains the slight discrepancy between them and Buffalo because Buffalo is just beating mm-hmm. most of the East anyway, right? Um, because they, they're just an absolute wagon of a hockey team, right? Um, but yeah, I, I I would agree with you there. I don't think New Orleans is gonna keep that pace up just mm-hmm. simply because that's a ridiculous pace to keep up. You can't really expect. 90 points in a season. Right. I still think they're pretty clearly, if not the top team in the top two in their conference, but I can't imagine this nine, this Oh, nine hundred is going to stick around into even into next week. Oh yeah. No, I, 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 I would be pretty comfortable saying they're easily the top seed in the, the Western conference by playoff mm-hmm. time. Uh, it par- partially due to the hot start, but just in general, I think they're pretty clearly the best. in the Right. West. Um, but part of that is getting to play in the West. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Next thing I have on our uh, on our agenda today is a new segment, the suggestion box question of the week. So we've both done stints in head office. We've both been GMs. We've both been players. We've done most of what there is to do on the site. So I think it would be interesting to talk about what's happening in the suggestion box when we uh, when we get together and kind of putting in our two cents on on the ideas. So this week I'm kind of putting together two posts, one from Ragnar, one from Danini. Uh, Ragnar posted on sponsorships, uh, a suggestion for kind of a sponsorship uh, mechanic for get, gaining money based on performing certain certain stipulations. So like posting a number of media articles or completing every PT or updating every week, accomplishing these on-site goals, you get a little bit of money for doing it. Uh, Danini 
posted about job pay, specifically jobs like simmers, file updaters, getting paid appropriately, but people like commissioner head office not getting paid very well at all. Uh, and I think the best way to kind of frame all of this together is in sites and user pay structure. Is there, are there enough jobs and is there enough opportunity for efficient money making on the site to maintain activity and I guess to maintain fairness? Money is definitely one of the things that causes people to go in and <clears throat> Um, without like just without without question, people go and act. Mm-hmm. They don't want to put in the time to you know write an article, um, make mm-hmm. them the money that they need to actually participate in being a not even a top earner, but like a reasonably good earner. Right. Um, a lot of people, if they can't do it well, mm-hmm. they, they they don't want to build a mediocre player over three years. Which is yeah. fair. <laughs> right. Um, so I, 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 I'm very pro paying people. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the sponsorships idea, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, so I think that there's value in encouraging people to continue participating in the site and kind of to make it into, or to provide more incentive to do it. But I am not sure if more incentive for top earners is the way necessarily to go about it. Yeah, exactly, because that's that's what this screams to me, is it's going to be a a mad dash for all the top usual suspects uh, to um, earn their way to 600 TP cash in on a few things that they were going to do anyway. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, post five articles in a season, like, some people are just going to do that. Right. And that's how they make their money anyway. They don't, those people don't need the extra money. It's mm-hmm. people that are more casual, you know, casual users. Mm-hmm. Um, they, <laughs> you know, they don't have time after they get home from work to, you know, pop out five, five K words. Right. Um, so like that's that's where I would struggle with it. It's it's and especially with the whole like you need to get over six hundred TP mm-hmm. to be eligible to do this side quest, basically. Right. Um. It's if if someone's gotten to six hundred TP, they know mm-hmm. what they're doing. Right. They're already ingrained enough in the site to know how things work. They've probably mm-hmm. done media at this point. Um. Or at the very least, they know, you know, how to manage their money by training and get everything done that they need to do. It's the people that are coming in, they get their first contract and then they spend it on training and that's it. They, they, they're they're right. out of money. Suddenly they're not earning anymore. They're doing an activity check a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and there's nothing else coming in and the off season is still a couple of weeks away. And then that's when you start to see these people get a little bit, um, restless and not really want to do it anymore. Right. Um, and it, it, that, that ties into the jobs thing as well. Like there's so mm-hmm. many new users who have the time, but aren't graphically inclined and don't really like writing. They would, they would prefer right. to do like a blunt force task related job, like, right. like updating, like, like file working or something like that. Like, like banking used to be. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's just like stuff that's just a time commitment or media grading, something that's not necessarily difficult or creative. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's only a, there, there's a limited number of those jobs for a reason. Like the, you only need mm-hmm. so many people to do those things. Right. Um, so I know one idea that I tossed around a while ago was um, while um, Teddy and everyone works on the um, the index upgrades. Oh boy, very fun. Yes, yeah, so I've 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 heard much about those, those <laughs> cursing in the name of uh, out of the park developers. Um, yeah, but. Um, with that, I, I know there's been kind of a lot of people talking about how it's you know, it's so it's been so difficult to you know get some of these results. And so w- one thought I had as a potential job was just having somebody transcribe a lot of the box uh, like the box scores mm-hmm. into so, an easy, easy to make graphic. I th- find it send to, like or post somewhere, and then it's just easily accessible. And then until we have a more mm-hmm. elegant solution. Mm-hmm. You're at least having people involved doing, uh, you know, doing some of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah, I've I've talked about that with Teddy. I I've actually talked about exactly that, which was we were trying to find a tech solution when we probably have enough bodies to just do a physical solution. Just have people, uh, just have people, you know, punch in box scores into either some kind of web app or into like a uh, Excel documents and we can just store it in the database and show box scores. Yeah. yeah. The, the problem is just the quantity of, well, the, there's two parts of it. The first part is the quantity of games and the quantity of data points that you need to type in is just massive. Yeah. That's also fair. It's, it's tre- a tremendous amount of data, which and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's it's doable, but that job would be would just be really big. When you're talking about how many games do we have in today's SMJHL sim? What 12, 13, something like that? Yeah, it's usually around there. Right. And you're talking about 40 players worth of statistics and team level statistics times 13 games. And then tomorrow we'll have a whole nother set of that data and the day after and the day yeah, after. Yeah. No, it's, that's it's just that's so much data. And maybe there's enough people to do it, but that's kind of why we haven't done that yet. The other thing is uh we're kind of doing some stuff for box scores, so uh stay tuned. I've I, I have heard some of the details on this, so I'm excited we're, for the big reveal. Yeah, we're getting somewhere, actually, but I I've seen I've seen some of the details. As yeah. Well. We're, we're getting somewhere, but there's uh, there's still some uh, some work to be done. Uh, yeah, I I can only imagine. I'm not technically inclined in any way, so mm. this this is all, all that stuff is magic to me. <laughs> um, I don't know how you guys do it, but it's a yeah, little I, little frightening and awe inspiring. <laughs> uh, so my thoughts on kind of like pay right now is. I, I get it that media is, well, not necessarily media. I should say rookie pay is the biggest problem, uh, making sure that rookies have enough money to stay engaged and enough money to support themselves while they learn the systems of the site without giving them so much money that they don't have to interact with the site yeah. is important. 
I think um, I, oh, sorry, I think I think more jobs are the way to go. Just find more things that can be done on the site and pay people to do them. Yeah, or, that's that's one thing for sure. I know yeah. um in the PBE and the um NSFL or I guess it's ISFL now. Yeah. Um they have rookie tasks. And it's essentially a guided tutorial where sure. you earn cash for for doing stuff for, for doing you know setting up your um your update page uh setting or doing your uh first media article or something like that mm-hmm. um and you're in like you know one million for this one million for that one million for this and then at the very end if you do all of them you get an additional two million so mm-hmm. these, these rookies are hitting the initial stages of their time in the, on the site with you know a nice little bank account it's going to get okay. it's going to let them buy a season's worth of equipment mm-hmm. and then they're also going to have a contract and whatever's left to tie the motor right. into next season so they've actually got a start towards you know having future equipment or i guess it's personal coaching now um and i I've, I've always liked that because that's it it feeds into that initial excitement that people have with the league. It's just like when you when you first mm-hmm. start, you're like, oh, I want to do everything. I want to really get into this. And there's this nice little rookie tasks thing where you just kind of go through and you do your stuff. Right. And then a couple of days later it's all approved. You have your money and it's like, wow, that was e- that was easy. Now you've you've got yourself set up. Mm-hmm. So now you're not sitting there like, oh I I have to write a huge article or three or else right. uh, I'm going to fall behind. Um and- and I'm still also of the opinion that I'm of certain opinions on media pay as well, but that's, I'll, I'll let you finish your, uh, your rookie thoughts first. Uh, no, that was, that was basically it. I just, I, oh, okay. I think that, that as a solution, I think has a lot of merit mm-hmm. just on the basis that it, um, it's very, very simple to implement. Mm-hmm. It's been used successfully in other sim leagues that we're affiliated <laughs> with. Right. Um, and- and I think yeah. there's a lot of merit to tasks that you can do at any time on the site. Yes. So that's that's one thing that I think we don't really talk about much or don't really approach from the same like from this game theory perspective is the pace of play. So because a lot of the site is based around things that happen weekly and seasonally, right? It's based yeah. around Every week, I can do these couple of things, and I can update. Every season, I can do these couple of things, and I get these other couple of bonuses, and then we also do the draft. So it's all... The pace of play kind of is traditionally centered around how do we engage with our weekly resets and our seasonal resets. But I think that there's a lot of opportunity to add tasks that can be done at any time within a group or within a set of, even within a period of time. So this is one reason I think that post-game shows were actually really good for the league. I know that a lot of, especially recreates, don't like post-game show at all, thought it was really silly or a waste of time or boring or whatever. Yeah. But, but what post-game show was, was 15 TPE that you could earn at any time during your rookie season. Whenever you're available, whenever you want to grind out a little bit, whenever you want more TPE, you have an opportunity to go and do some additional earning based on, you know, just whenever you want to. And you're not going to, there's no, 
loss aversion from not doing it this week. I can do it next week. I can do it the week after. And I really think that we're lacking those kinds of tasks that you can do at any time because the only things that you can really do at any time are media, which, in my opinion, we uh, really inefficiently uh, reward. I, I still think that a mil per thousand is kind of brutal. It is. That's just, it's, that's not me. it's not Yeah. Uh, I'm also of the opinion that uh, that the people who are producing the best media are the people who are not doing it for the money. Yeah. Which I think is extremely important or should be extremely important in how we determine how we should pay people for media uh, or how we should reward media. Anyways, uh, and then graphics are gated weekly, just like everything else. I mean, I say gated weekly loosely. I still think that, and I have no problem being kind of aggressive on this one, I still think that the graphics team wildly uh, over-adjusted over for uh, the amount of complaints they had about the previous appeal system and the massive delays in grading that we have now are not worth the amount of, uh, of yeah, consistency I we have in grading now. I, everything I've heard about that system, I, I, it's been a while since this, this came up in a conversation, so I'm mm -hmm. a little foggy on the details. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's just that whole, like, you know, assembling the, the Council of Seven Sages <laughs> idea that they have. It's just like, have you ever tried to, like, assemble three people's schedules? Like, it's right. <laughs> like, you're trying, to, you're trying to get people to have a discussion over an art piece. <laughs> For sim hockey, like, it's like it's just like I I understand the the idea behind it, but it's just like mm -hmm. at at some point, just you have graders for a reason. Mm -hmm. do, just have, do, have them do their jobs and be accountable for it. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty much all you need to do. No one's people will throw a fit occasionally over a graded article or a graded mm -hmm. graphics piece. And, but at the end of the day, most of them. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and sometimes rightfully too. Yeah, yeah, and that's what the appeals thing was for. Like, right, and and even in this, even in the system they have now, they could accomplish all of the value that they're adding today, which is, uh, which is no appeals, which is multiple opinions, which is more consistent grades. They could accomplish all that value by going to three-person panels and accelerate the process by at least uh, make it at least half the time to grade, if not better. Oh yeah, easily. It's, it, it's that, that's the thing. It's just like when when you need every single person in a large group mm -hmm. to weigh in, or close to every person. I can't remember exactly what the if they needed consensus mm -hmm. on it or not, but it's it's just it creates such a huge bottleneck that's so mm -hmm. unnecessary. Just just make it three people, uh, three people to a panel, average the scores, round them up to the nearest grade score, and have one of them write do a write up. Yeah. And and and, and then especially and, given that and then, most sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, and then on top of that, pay out based on the number of pieces that you grade. And, yeah. And that uh, way you and that way you drive people or or at least pay bonuses based on who's doing the most grading. Yeah, and especially when most pieces are gonna come out as twos, threes, fours anyway. Right. So, like, how much input do you need mm -hmm. on something that's pretty well bell curved? Right. 
every almost everything is going to fit in that middle eighty six percent. Yeah, the um, only way the only way you're getting a five is if it's one of the best works from one of the best designers on the site. Exactly, and uh, yeah, so it's just, it's just unnecessary bottlenecking of things just kind of annoys me. Mm-hmm. I'm not a graphics person because I have no talent. Um, <laughs> As same. But that would annoy me greatly. I know it has annoyed people, um, like players on my team in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, especially ones that, again, this comes back to the money thing, when they need the money to afford training or equipment. Right. And they're sitting there and they're, you know, they're looking at the date and they submitted something mm-hmm. who knows how long ago. And I understand there's backlog. I was a media grader. Um, right. there's, there's, especially around the draft, there's, there's, there's backlog. It happens. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. It's just creating artificial bottlenecks right to appease a problem that was really only there rarely i would say i mean how how many um arbitration cases were there i would actually be curious to hear this like how how many people were Mm -hmm. taking i'm curious about it i i think the big thing is the people who were there were there was a slew of high profile arbitration cases in like it was like S forty six or something, uh, where it was like two or three, and it was all users who are incredibly vocal on the site. Yeah. It was like a, it was like, Kit got something rated like a three point five uh, that had just won a contest or something. Uh, Carrie got something graded like a three. I don't know. There was. There's like this two or three or four all in a row, super high profile users getting uh, high profile arbitration cases, at least one of which went to the Thunderdome. And I think that's a big part of why they changed it. Yeah, definitely a very large overcompensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. You, you want to try and put a system in place that people can't be mad at, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you've created a system that people are mad at. Right. Uh, so that every, everything becomes moot, even if some parts of it are an improvement. Right. It's just a different flavor of anger. Yeah, exactly. But and and even today, I'm just gonna peek in just to see what's happening. Like uh, JSS has a thread in the uh, has an ungraded thread from the 12th of July. Oof, yeah, that's yeah, and that's actually there's five, there's four people with uh, ungraded stuff that far back. Yeah, that's that's not great. It's it's it, it can't happen that way. And I just I just like to clarify. Mm-hmm. It sounds like we're kind of going in on the graphics graders right now. Honestly, I don't um, even care because I've had. I don't care personally. If you that, if you care, that's fine. I I, I don't mean to. I, I don't particularly because again, it's, I I think it, it, it's as long as it's taken as constructive criticism mm-hmm. not just us blindly shitting on them um because and, we don't we don't mean to blindly shit we try to look before we do it um <laughs> yeah always but, sit uh, first yeah <laughs> always always have eyes on the target um but no it's 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 more just it all ties back to this whole um idea of you know so many of the <laughs> the people that are producing a lot of media mm-hmm. are comfortably rich. Right. Um, and that's kind of the issue. Like Luke 
can spit out a 10k word article with a ton of graphs in it. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a day ending and why for him? Um, right. it, it, he does he doesn't need the money. He'll he'll get it. But mm-hmm. you know that that guy who has three hours a week to really maybe spend on the SHL puts right. forth his you know hour that he has putting together a thousand words mm-hmm. gets exactly a th- one million dollars for it. Spends that on his training. Has to do it again the next week. But then suddenly you know it's, do I really want to write another article this week? Right. Um, not everybody has the the fitted approach to media. I uh, we, we have differing opinions about him. Less of an approach as much as a <laughs> shotgun. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think ultimately it just comes back to media is not attractively uh, valued enough. Yes, and graphics has a high bar of entry and a poor return rate where you could be waiting a month to get your money. And there's nothing else that you can do on demand around the site unless you get hired for a job. Yeah. Which there, which there are admittedly, I, in my opinion, at least more of than there used to be and better jobs than there used to be. But there, you still have to like be in the right place at the right time to get one. And they're not going to be available to everybody. So that's that's yeah. really my thing is rather than worrying about pay on jobs specifically or doing like anything at the seasonal level is we need more options with an immediate uh, an immediate turnaround rate and a higher rate of play for people who say I have I have 30 minutes this week I can't afford my training uh, I wish I could have done some stuff that was aggressively priced that would have gotten me enough money last week because I don't have the time to write a thousand words and I don't know how to use Photoshop. Yeah. And I, I think um, even going back to that sponsorship idea, you, I think mm-hmm. there's, there's something to it and I'm like, I'm kind of seeing it form in my brain, but I, I, I don't like the way it's laid out. Like I, mm-hmm. it, like something have like side quests is probably the wrong word for it, but just mm-hmm. having, having a running thing where it's just like, you know, if you ha- having a thread with a bunch of different little boxes that you tick, and one of them yeah, is like, like no, write, 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 write two articles this season, mm-hmm. or write one article that's at least 1,500 mm-hmm. words, or um, write um, a thousand words on this topic, mm-hmm. and you get a huge, like, a, not a huge bonus, but a fairly significant bonus to actually make mm-hmm. it worth your time. But you would still get the article pay when it's graded by the media. Just right. little things that, like, they're just a quick engagement. They mm-hmm. they're not necessarily a massive time investment. Um, you you like you're not telling people it's like yeah you need to spit out four K words or four mm-hmm. articles of a thousand words. Right. Um, maybe maybe the solution is somewhere in the middle. Maybe yeah, it's something. It's, maybe it's something in the range of like sponsorships or endorsements are a form of are similar to media, but there's something like here's four or five like PT size prompts. Each one is 120, 150 words. If you finish one, you get 250K. Yeah, and I mean, and then, um, yeah. Just like, like I said, there's something there. I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to like mm-hmm. have it form in my brain. Yeah, just like um, bite size. Uh, that's the way that I kind of envision it best is bite size media with a prompt so you don't have to 
you know, so you don't have to like be super creative and gestate the whole thing in your head. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that pays out money instead at a higher rate than traditional media. That's the way that I kind of envision it because like I said, my whole focus there is on breaking down that weekly seasonally or that week season rate of play into something more digestible day to day. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I've, there's, there's definitely a way to get something in there. That's a little bit unique to our league. There's mm-hmm. also, like I said, there's the, there's the rookie tasks and other leagues that I think is a pretty easy template yep. to follow. Um, if, if you just, if you just wanted to airdrop a solution in for now, mm-hmm. that would be a good one. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So I, I, there's, there's, there's ways to address it. I mean, that's the thing about job creation is it's not easy necessarily. There may not actually be anything that needs more people hired at any given time until people leave their jobs. Right. And so, so I'm, I'm sympathetic to that aspect of it too. It's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, that you have, you have these first gens that really want a site job, but Mm -hmm. there's, there's actually nothing to be done. And sure. I'm sure there's, there's people in various positions that really maybe don't do anything mm-hmm. that could be, um, you know, fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up with a nice way of putting it, but like, yeah, we've, I mean, we've, we've all probably seen people around mm-hmm. the site that, you know, maybe t- take things a little bit uh, lax mm-hmm. at, at times. <laughs> and there's plenty of people who do things that are valuable to the league who don't get paid. Yes. And, but a lot of those people don't necessarily need it. Like the yeah, exactly. people I'm thinking of the most are like coaches and other management personnel on teams. Like, yeah, sure. It would be cool if we could get them paid similar to how GMs get paid. But also if you're a coach, you're probably in like the top 10% of engaged players in the league. So you're yeah. probably making money somewhere else too. And it's, it's such, that's the other thing is that's such um, a difficult thing to police. Right. Um, the co- the co- paying coaches is a thing that I know has come up a lot, especially in the J, because it's uh, been pretty common for people to have pretty high turnover mm-hmm. with their coaches, or just have a yeah. lot of coaches. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 one of those things that's very easy uh, to kind of get around um, cap circumvention. <laughs> True. <laughs> if if you have a player that you know you couldn't afford to give them, you know, yeah, uh, quite the contract that they wanted as a rookie, but you know, oh, now now they're my coach. Mm-hmm. And they, they might they might legitimately help out a little bit, but uh, and it, it, and it's it's but at the same time, it's very very difficult. Well, being HO, you can't go into the team's management channel and see how much mm-hmm. any one person is participating. You just you have to take their word for it. Right. So it's just at that point, it's avoiding that situation of, you know, he said, we said. Um, just, and, just put head uh, office in every management room, right? Good idea. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would, uh, yeah, no, I don't think that would be a good idea, personally. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, <sighs> the The solution is somewhere in the middle, but. I think the solution is different than a lot of the people who were commenting in that thread 
are thinking, or in the sponsorships thread at least are thinking. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of the people posting in there are people who I'm not super, or who I think shouldn't be as worried about money, but I I understand, I think I understand the need, which is for the entry-level people to have opportunities to make money on demand a little bit more quickly and at a better rate than media provides. Yeah, d- definitely. I, I think I, I'd mentioned this in NHO ages ago. Well, not ages ago, because I wasn't in NHO that long. Mm-hmm. But um, I think with, with anything involving pay scale, whether it be for jobs or just just cash in, cash out on the season is what you have to look at. Uh-huh. You have to look at anything that a player receives in cash as a percentage of what their max expenditures can be. Right. So and, and looking at jobs through that lens is especially important, I think. Because if you look at mm-hmm. something that's you know kind of bi-weekly, like uh, media grading, yeah. somebody puts in a couple hours every second week, is that worth a full season of, uh, say, personal, personal training? Mm-hmm. I would say probably not. Is it worth half? I would say probably because it's every other right. week. Right. Uh, so that then you're looking at what's the, the max personal training is eight eight point five million. So I mm-hmm. I feel comfortable paying that that position, you know, four, four and a half million. Right. Whereas if you have something that's every week, like say you're an updater, I'm okay with updaters actually getting paid a fairly substantial amount. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not I'm less okay with updaters making like fifty million like we've right. seen. Um and I, I realize part of that is just a a structural thing that's caused certain updaters to shoulder more of the load, but that that is inherently fixable as well. Right. Uh, it's so also I, in in the current structure. It's also inherently inevitable. Someone yeah. will always have more time, and removing the team assignments just means that they'll somebody will do more updates. And yeah, there's nothing exactly. wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just inevitable. <sighs> Uh, my, my problems with with the updating pay scale was always that it's incentivized output rather than input, right? Um, and that's also kind of corresponded with what we've seen with um, a lot of updater error. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> it's yeah, I, it's it's understandable when you're updating a ton of people every weekend. <laughs> you're gonna make mistakes. I was an updater. I did it myself. I know. I'm, I I know exactly what the process is. Um, and I, I wasn't updating, you know, 500 players in a season and I, I made mistakes occasionally. It just mm-hmm. happens. Like the, the larger you make that sample, the more likely it is. But it's, especially when you're rushing to fulfill that quota and then move on and hopefully get a new claim. Right. That's when it starts to snowball and you're, you, you see people get a little bit sloppy. Um, yeah. so I, I, I think, and again, it's how much money do you need? Making fifty million in a season probably shouldn't be attainable just through right. a site job because that's money that could be distributed to other people with the same job. Right. And and there also is like a break point where you stop looking at that as how because there's no uh there's no like property accumulation you can do, right? There's no power accumulation that comes with cash accumulation within the context of the game. Because you yes. can't buy up any you can't buy up anything that is inherently exchangeable <laughs> right uh, the, there's there's the push for uh own, team owners <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's move on from that idea. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but yeah, there's nothing. That's that's the really interesting thing is that money in this game we all kind of internalize as oh it's like cash, but yeah. it's it's not. This is not like there's no capitalism happening in this game. It's money is. Yeah, bank banking and all of the money that you have is just a representation of how much work you've done. It's a voucher that you exchange for TPE at given times. Yes. That's all it is. And that's the only thing it's exchangeable for is TPE at a given time or like a name change or something, right? Yeah. So, oh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So within that context, when you get to these banking levels of cash, which are like, you know, $50 million in a season, $75, $100 million in a season, you stop thinking in the small scale of what is their, what is the percentage of their, uh, of one season, of one season's training and coaching is this job worth to thinking, yeah, if somebody does this job for three seasons, should we reward them with not having to do a job on the site for two calendar years? Yeah, exactly. And, that, that's 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 the exact math that I was talking about. It's just like right. You, there's no reason it's, that it's just yeah at, at that scale, right? It's it, it just got so ludicrously crazy right. with the, the the payments that were being made to certain updaters. Um, and it it it's it like those guys they put in the work. It's like yep. they, they they did earn it. it was, there was nothing wrong with pushing to make that money when it was available because right. when it's available by all means you you know get that bread um <laughs> but that system shouldn't really be in place as is um and I, I i think it's pretty incumbent on the heads of various departments to make sure that you know mm -hmm. if, if you have a situation where certain people are shouldering the load especially in something that's paid out as a rate mm -hmm. yeah um that's that's something you need to be very very careful of because if somebody's right. not actually pulling their weight, there are a ton of first gen members yeah. waiting to get a, a side job, right? And there's there's way too much so, leash afforded to a lot of people, I think, in some mm -hmm. of these jobs. And and it's not even necessarily first gens. There's plenty of recreates who are looking for work, oh, yes. or yeah. people who have been around for six, seven seasons who are looking for, who would love to take on some kind of work. Right? There's that. That's one thing that we don't necessarily see outside of like really going and researching and finding the deposits is who is doing the most work and who's along for the ride. Yeah, definitely, but and, that, and that, that's that. That's again why it requires the the department head to be kind of on and, on on it as far as uh, making sure that those spots are still becoming available for people. Right, and and especially with updating, I'm kind of like long leash right now on that. I'm not super stressed about it. I know that Zombie Wolf just stepped into that updater head role. Yeah, I think he's a smart guy. I am definitely willing to wait and see what that looks like. Uh, what, or what the team looks like under his leadership. So I think it's it's kind of a wait and see game on updaters, which have kind of been our uh, our case study for this conversation. But they, they've been the punching bag just because the numbers are so high. 
Right. Um, which is understandable because especially when you're somebody that doesn't have that job income on the site and you're seeing somebody walk <laughs> away with $50 million. Right. I can see why that would be very, very discouraging. Right. And I mean, like, I, I like, and that's, again, I said, like, it's, it always comes down to that. How much do you need to spend in a season and how much can you realistically bring in? Right. Without breaking your back in media. I, I have it. I think exactly. it's pretty much worked out right now where everything that comes mm-hmm. in for me is mm-hmm. almost exactly balanced by uh, um, the amount that goes out. So I, I haven't really put any effort into media in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I've been able to keep my bank balance between, you know, twenty and thirty million for most of the last two years. Yeah. Um, so I've got I've got enough to dip into if I get really lazy at some point, or if I uh, some income stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not everyone has that opportunity. <laughs> right. So, but uh, right. yeah, so that's that's job pay. Yeah, job and user pay. I think that was a good conversation. Hopefully, uh some good takeaways from that and uh we'll be able to we'll be sure to revisit that next week when we uh get flamed by the uh media grader updater or the media grader head whoever that is they're coming for us yeah uh i there's something i wanted to talk about we'll save it for the next show uh i did want to talk about the rule book changes because i know those just came out uh yes i but here's the thing i reviewed it with nor and gave my comments but i didn't actually read which of those comments got implemented so i think we should wait on that until next week or until next time yeah that's probably a good call uh so last thing i got then is let's go through some listener questions we got quite a few uh so it looks like this will only be a two-hour episode this time not fucking (laughs) three and a half or whatever uh jss says sup losers uh uh yeah, that's pretty on brand. Uh, Zoltan says, Tig, why did you make Fred go inactive? Now he's here, but he's inactive. Because um, he would remain forever perfect in death. That, that's fair. Um, yeah, I've the, definitely my creepy side came <laughs> out there. Um, but, you know, now that, now that he's perfectly <laughs> enclosed in a vacuum-sealed glass chamber in my basement, um, he will never age a day, and he will always be the Fred that I know and love. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Zoltan says, real question. I uh, hope you get the expansion job. I'm quite excited for you. Uh, what would be your plan for building a new dynasty, and how many seasons do you take, think it would take to build a competitive team? That's a very... That, that is the question. Um, <laughs> it's very, very dependent on how the expansion draft goes, um, because there's a few different factors. One, there's going to be teams that are exposing good players, but very likely to also be offering side deals to try and avoid you taking those players. Mm -hmm. So depending on the value of those potential deals, do you lay off and take the futures? Possibility. And it really depends on the value. Wait, but I Uh, thought you said you were just going to block Finn right away. I say that, but you know, I'll I'll probably listen to the first one he throws at me, and then I'll block him if I feel a little bit aroused. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, then after that, you also have the consideration of, um, you know, are you picking first or are you picking second? And it's going to be a snake draft, I assume. Um, probably. But if 
depending on how things shake out, there's going to be a few good targets, but there might be one target that's just just the, the bell of the ball. Right. Um, if you're not picking first, probably don't get a chance at that player. Um, so then you look at the, the next tier of players and you say, hey, do, are, are these players good enough to build around a, uh, build a team around in the short to medium term? And you just kind of see as you go through round by round, what are what are I what am I getting? And if, if right. you start getting to the point where the best players available or the best long-term fixtures available are, you know, younger players, prospects that have had to be or, um, exposed, and you're not necessarily tying yourself down to these, you know, thirteen hundred TPE forwards that are in their first year of regression. Uh, you, you start to maybe decide that you're going to go towards a more future-oriented route. Mm-hmm. And it really all depends on how those picks kind of go in order. And it, that is impossible to predict. Right. Because it's very dependent also, because like, mm-hmm. um, when the expansion lists come out, um, those GMs are going to be able to talk to those players. You might have a situation where a team uh, you know, has a really good relationship with, with that player and the mm-hmm. other expansion team doesn't. And that that's known between the teams, so that 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 changes the calculus as well. Uh-huh. Um, knowing that maybe one player, you know, if if he went to one team, might not stick it out for five, six, seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it it really all depends on who's available and what's available when you're picking. It's it's impossible right. to predict. Um, because so much is going to change. There, I'm sure there are going to be teams moving players around to teams that have extra expansion slots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's enough talent. If, if the if the expansion draft was held today and teams submitted their lists right now, mm-hmm. it is possible to build. I think a playoff bubble. I uh, I, ge- I generally agree. Uh, not to step in too far because I'm not the one uh, signing up for this expansion team, but. Uh, not only do I generally agree, uh, I also think that there's going to be a lot of options in free agency for yeah. these teams. Like, I know that the the big one will be like uh, Theo Morgan. I know is going to be up for free agency and is pretty dead set on going in. That's like a 1900 CP- TPE forward by the time the draft comes around. I know yeah. he's not alone. Uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of high quality free agents coming up in this next period too. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of considerations to it, which is it's kind of a cop out answer to say, you know, we'll see how it goes, but we'll see how mm-hmm. it goes. Right. Um it's I mean that's that's assuming well, I, I get it even like I I I'm, I'm talking <laughs> about stuff that's weeks well, into the future at this point. You're you're talking about what you would do if it was yeah. Uh and I I think I think it's not a cop out answer to say uh it we'll see how it goes. I, I think it's a cop-out to say we'll see how it goes, but I don't think that's what you're saying. I think what you're saying is we'll see how it goes, but based on what I know, I think it's possible to build a bubble team out of expansion. Yeah, I think... I think yeah, and again, if, if, if you just have a situation where you know some of the better players that you would want if you were going to compete early mm-hmm. are getting sniped right in front of your pick, mm-hmm. then... Okay, then you start maybe thinking future, longer term, right? And you start um, picking up some of the the prospects that are exposed, or some of the yeah. younger, um, young younger players. Mm-hmm. So and, it's and 
that's that's one thing yeah. I would I would say is that I think it's much more likely that one team will be ready to compete and one team will probably be looking at a longer time frame coming out of expansion draft. I think that's the smartest way for both teams. I think, I think, I think otherwise just... you'll be holding hands down to last place. Yeah, I th- I think that's just kind of um, there's there's an element of game theory to it mm-hmm. where you know once one team starts you know, going hard, you know, we're competing now with some of their picks. Yeah. It opens up some of the higher value um, younger assets. Right. And it reduces and the value of the kind of lets the teams kind of go off in their, in their, in their various directions. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's a possibility as well. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, uh, but it's, it's always fun. Expansion is fun just because no one mm-hmm. knows what's happening. <laughs> much much uh, less the GMs, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Uh Phantomin says, why does I suck splain? Um That's that's a good question. Um I, I don't think it's that Phantomin sucks. I think it's no, that I th- Detroit I think, sucks. Yeah, I think we're we're just having a, a rough couple of seasons here. Yeah. Um we lost we we had a really unexpectedly bad season last year, and that momentum mm-hmm. has apparently just decided to follow us. Right. Um, and then we lost half of our roster. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Easy. it's uh, it's it's not not great. Um, and don't blame yourself, Fanto. Uh, blame blame the GM. He's the one that actually controls things. Um, in this case, blame Nor specifically, yeah. not me. Um, Absolutely. And when I say when I say Detroit sucks, I say it in a in the most loving way possible as somebody uh, playing on with somebody with a 17 minutes TOI and a, a zero goals, two assists scoreline in 24 games. Like you're not, you're been, not out there to score. <laughs> I have been dog shit this season. So I mean it, <laughs> you, I mean it in the nicest way possible. D centerman. The fourth was not out there to offense. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we got one from from Jobin. What is with the possibility of this is for Tig with the possibility of you moving up to to GM in the big leagues? How do you feel about Nor's ability to GM effectively with all the other shit he does and the type of person he is? Parentheses. He is an awful person. <laughs> um, that's that's a very good question. How confident am I in Nor? Um. You know, as as much as yeah, a terrible person just hate the guy. Um, <laughs> I will say that also the the SMJHL GM of the Year award is now named the Nor Harak Award, right? Or trophy yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you know. Uh, after I'm, the I'm only... going to suggest that um, if if I did get the expansion team job, and Nor was successful in his application to take over in Detroit, which I would sincerely hope he would be given that the GM of the year award is named after him. Um, I would think he would probably do an adequate job. I think he'll be all right. Yeah. He, he'll, he'll do okay. I, he, he's still the only manager in juniors history to win three times in a row. Right. Uh, no, the, or did, the, did Carolina do that? No, St. Louis did. I think. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also purged that from my memory. Um, although I can't remember, it's possible that Joe wasn't around for the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he might still be, the, actually, no, it would have been, uh, 
uh, TML was still the GM all those years. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, he was the, he was the first. He was not the only. Gotcha. Um, Zoltan asks another one. Uh, posts a link to some keyboard mechanical key switches and asks which clicky sound is your favorite and why. I don't even need to click through. Uh, I don't know Logitech switches because I don't care about them. It's uh, Cherry MX Blues have the best sound, but I use uh, Cherry MX Clears for work because they're still clicky, but they are not as noisy. Um, I'm clicking on the ones now. Uh, this is way more fun than I expected it to be. <laughs> um, I think I'm going with GL Linear. I don't know what that okay. means. Um, actually, okay. But uh, yeah. It's kind of, it has, it has a nice, like, I could lay down a beat to beat with this. It, it's, uh, it almost sounds like old spring keys, but not quite as bad. It's got that nice, like, uh, old 2000s, uh, like, early 2000s RPG menu movement um, sound to it. You know, you're, like, flipping yeah. back and forth, like, the journal page to read a quest or something. It's It's, it's got, it's got that you. nice little... Little yeah, flutter. I, I like, like it. The, uh, I, I that would be it. my choice. Gotcha. Uh, the game himself, HHH81, has a bunch of questions for us. Uh, what is your favorite sided dice? I like the D20, but a D8 is just so satisfying. Uh, I have dice opinions. Do you have dice opinions? I, um, I've never been a tabletop gamer, uh, mostly because mm-hmm. I never was friends with anyone that did it that was also in any sort of physical proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the few times I've tried to get something going online, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't really have strong opinions on um, on dice. Yeah, fair. Uh, I am a D6 person forever and ever. I'm in the best dice or the best die the most versatile die, and also I played GURPS for many, many years. So I'm used to just normal old six-sided dice. I think they're the best. I will take your word for it. Uh, can you comment on the fact that you both have begun running away from Detroit as soon as Nor got involved? Does he smell as bad as we all think he does? Let me, let me, let me start here with something. And we went over this in the last one, but I'm going to start here. I didn't run away from Detroit. Detroit chose to draft JSS instead of me. So to be clear, I didn't run away from anything. Scathing indictment. I'm. I mean, um, I'm just saying what's true. Absolutely fair scathing indictment, but a scathing indictment, <laughs> Um. And I don't know if I'd say I'm running away from Detroit. I might not be going anywhere at all. Um, nor does smell though. It's really bad. Fair. Like, just so bad. Yeah, I, I take your word for it. What teams do you think are best set up for expansion, and what teams are the worst off? Uh, I think <laughs> this is a very easy question to answer for the best off team and the or the team that's going to have the easiest <laughs> time and the worst time. Uh, um, I, I, I struggle to say Tampa's <laughs> the best off at anything, but they're probably pretty well positioned for this. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they have the easiest expansion protection list for sure. 
they they, they, they actually I think the play is probably um, acquiring players that are going to get squeezed yep. out. Yep. Because you know, fuck knows they have the assets. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they, have, those... they have a pick surplus. They have a prospect surplus. Yep. I'm sure. I'm sure Trella can figure some way of uh, getting around the evil clutches of the expansion GMs. Right. Um, worst off, I, I anything that can involve a potential trade to get out of a jam. I also struggle to say that Buffalo is in a bad spot because, like, it's Finn. He'll 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 he's gonna he's gonna make a trade. He'll get out of it somehow. Everyone's gonna be really mad. That's I just mean, what he does. On the one hand, that is probably true. On the other hand, let me read you down a list real quick. Let me get it pulled up on my uh, Google map or my Google sheets on my Buffalo sheet. And let me read down. Let me read something down for you once this opens. (laughs) Here we go. All right. So Poopity Scoop 1835 TPE S44. Cassius Darrow. 1990 TPE S45. Uh, these are all defensemen, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alexander Selleck, 1929 S45D. Eric Vanderberg, 1122 S46D. Augustus Wang, 1325 TPE S50 defenseman. Nicholas Owens, 1145 TPE S51 defenseman. Alexander Roach, 635 TPE S35. Cent- uh, I guess that's a center. I thought Roach was a defenseman. Uh, but yeah, those six defensemen, all over 1,000 TPE, two of them are S50 or above. All of them are eligible for expansion. I am. Oh, like, I just, many... just hate to see it. Yeah. How And how many uh, defensemen slots did they get? Four? Three? Yeah, it's four. Four? It's seven like, seven four one. I mean, it would make sense to see Vanderberg get exposed in S forty six with eleven hundred TPE, sure. Yeah. But like the these two users are uh Wang in Wang and Owens. That's uh Ferda and Grum, I think. Ferda. Ferda's the other one, yeah. Ferda and Grum. Both over a thousand TPE. Yeah. Both prior to S fifty. Both going to be exposed. And yeah, I or one of them has to be exposed, and it's not going to be a super easy choice to make. I guess the only way that Detroit's really lucky is that uh, Finn's player gets auto protected, so they're not wasting two defenseman slots on the GM and the co GM. That's but, true. And I guess That's... also on top of all of that is. Scoop and Darrow are only signed through S56. Interesting. It's it's a weird situation over there. On forwards, they probably have to leave somebody with at least 1300 TPE exposed. Yeah, they're 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 definitely the team that's gonna. It's it's gonna hurt. Something. Um, it's gonna I'm, hurt real bad, and that's a super tight knit locker room. So whoever gets taken, it's gonna somebody's going to be pissed and it's, uh, I am not super excited to see what happens. 
That's fair. I mean, I, I I joke about uh, Ben wriggling his way out of this one, but there's <laughs> there's only so much you can do. It's one thing when there's one expansion team, like in the in the NHL, <laughs> it's very easy to you know just say like, hey, we'll give you this if you take, you know, this AHL goaltender, right? Um, and not this very very good defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, but with two teams, now you have to make two trades if you want to right. protect somebody. And that, that that's that's getting to the point where it's just not even worth it, right. um, or maybe it is. I don't know. It's kind of dependent on what's being offered up. But um, actually, what are the, oh, sorry, go ahead. What are the automatic protection rules? Um, it's the last two draft classes. Last two draft classes. I think yeah. Okay, so I think okay, so I think that means Thor gets auto protected because he was previous season right um yeah he's in he's in his third oh he's in his third yeah so he um i always struggle with remembering people's draft year um Uh, i'll be able to see it on the budget yeah it's uh i i he has two more years of junior before like he has this season and next season in junior so which means so, last season was his first season post draft, which means yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's he's protected. Gotcha. Because that would be oh that would actually be brutal. That yeah, that would not be not be potentially good. lose <laughs> Thor for free. But it sounds like that'll be fine. Yeah, there's just there's gonna be some hard decisions to make on that team for sure. I don't yeah. envy that position at all. Nope. Uh wouldn't want to do it myself, which is why I'm trying to be on the other side of it. Right now. <laughs> it's a lot more fun to get free shit. Uh, and finally, what is the best vacation destination in an international quarantine? Um, I, I'm I'm a hermit, um, so. Mm-hmm. Every the best vacation is a staycation for me. Yeah, honestly, um, I'm I'm with you right now, but I've got different reasons. So I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, I just I I don't particularly like traveling for the sake of traveling. Um, depend it 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 all depends on what's like. I, I have to be mm-hmm. going for something. Like, if I'm going for an event or a wedding or something, that's very very different. Um, right. Just you know. Driving for two days to get to a random locale and mm-hmm. see the sights, and then it's just, like it—it's it. it tra- like I said, traveling for the sake of traveling isn't really my bag. Yeah. Um, also, I'm just lazy and I like being at home because <laughs> that's where my stuff is. Right. Hey, that's one thing that I've learned from uh from podcasting hockey podcasting legend uh, Greg Wyshynski is hockey players like to be where their stuff is. It just you don't realize how much how important that is until you don't have your stuff around. I believe it. Uh, so from my from my perspective, my wife is a nurse working in a hospital with uh, working in a, one of the ten largest public hospitals in the United States with a patient population that is primarily. Uh, homeless people and people over the age of 60. 
So the answer to my best vacation destination in an international quarantine is a cabin in the woods alone, because it is generally not safe for me to be around other people. And it hasn't been since February. Yeah, that's that's understandable. Um, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the whole thing. Um, vacations, just a shitty year for those. It really was. We had a, we still haven't taken our honeymoon because the first time we were going to take it, all those people died from tainted alcohol in the Dominican. Oh no. And the second time we had a cruise scheduled for, uh, April. And that got canceled. Well, at least you weren't on the cruise when it happened. Like that other big cruise ship. Uh, oh, one, yeah, of my, like one, of, one of my coworkers, her, uh, her aunt was in was on that oh, boat. Jesus. And uh, it was it was just like the whole ordeal. They were there for like a month. So just mm-hmm. insane. Um so yeah, it could it could it could have gone worse. Right. Uh uh Puff comes in, says you previously said you think the Winnipeg Jets need to rebrand. Yes we did. Toss out an idea or two. Why or why or why not should they use the idea you suggested? So I'm still the, – the first thing that I'll say is I think Winnipeg is a fine location for an SHL team. I don't think the city needs to move. Oh, no, absolutely. I, it, I, I would not care too much if they did, but I don't think they have to. I think Winnipeg no. can still be a core part of the team's identity, especially since it was one of the earliest teams in the league. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's it's a very easy change to make, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. you can you can have a like a fighter jet themed team mm-hmm. name that's not jets, you right? Yeah, go like go with the Spitfires or something. Uh, or Aces was one that was uh, I think Alaska used that for a little while. Not in our league, in real life, in the ECHL. That would but... be good. Yeah, aces is one that I hear a lot for uh for those kinds of themes. I also have a suggestion for every expansion team and for every uh for every team thinking about new branding or that should be so like Winnipeg and Minnesota and etc. I have a suggestion. I think people are going to uh tear, take us down in flames on this one, but uh hear me out. All right, I'm already distancing myself from this preemptively. Here's the brand. Montreal Impact. Just bring him back and stick him in the SHL. That would be such a good meme. Like, why not just do it, right? All the alumni love the brand. It's got pre-made colorway and graphics and concepts. It's a city that everybody wishes had a team. Just do, just put one of the teams with ba- with a bad brand there, and take the old brand and do it there, since it's uh, since it's not in the in the J anymore. I thought I thought that was going to be a way hotter take. I'm not going to lie. I still you, think you that takes, it up pretty hard. I don't know. I think that takes pretty hot. I think a lot of people will not be pleased about it. But if any team. If any previous brand from the SMJHL deserves the promotion up into the big leagues, I think Montreal is probably number one. Yeah, 
that's 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 probably fair. And I think the impact is fine. But yeah, those are my suggestions. Aces, uh, Winnipeg Aces, and uh, and Montreal Impact. Yeah, and you should okay. use them because I said them, and uh, I'm smart and handsome and the best. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. Sometimes uh, you're just right. <laughs> and now uh, we have we have one that I've, I I'm fifty percent not qualified to answer. Okay. Um, Chick-fil-A is not a thing in Canada. Yeah, fair. Um, um, I have heard it's very, very good. But I have I have had Church's Chicken, mm-hmm. and I did enjoy it. So okay. it wins by default. Have you... Okay, I'm going to introduce... Uh, I'm going to modify this question. So the question is Chick-fil-A or Church's Chicken. I'm going to modify this a little bit. Do you have Popeyes in Canada? Sparingly. Um, have you consumed Popeyes I, Louisiana I have not. Kitchen? I have okay. Not. Uh, so I would pick Popeyes over any of those. I do a K- very rarely have Chick Fil A. I think Chick Fil A gets waffle fries, right? I think that's one of the only people who really does in the fast food game. I think their chicken's okay. I think uh, Popeye's does a better chicken sandwich now, which means there's no real reason for me to go to Chick-fil-A. But Yeah, that's fair. But I do think I would take Chick-fil-A over churches just because I'm a chicken sandwich person, and I think Chick-fil-A does the chicken sandwich better than churches. And if I'm going to get chicken like on the bone, I'm going to Popeye's anyways. Yeah, that's fair. I know... Um... When I lived in Vancouver, I would, if I was going to, if I felt like chicken, I'd just order KFC because you could get it delivered with uh, Uber Eats. Yep. Um, and it was, it was just available. So I was just like, oh, I feel like chicken. I'm just going to do that because it's easy. And I'm just right. an inherently lazy being. <laughs> um, Uber Eats is like, I, I am the target market for Uber Eats. Oh man. Dash Pass? <laughs> you have Dash Pass yet? Uh, Dash Pass. I don't think do you so. get. Do you get DoorDash in Canada? It's it's a it it is in Vancouver. Um, I don't think it's that big though. I I tried using gotcha. it once and it was just not very. It it didn't have uh, a great selection. So in uh in the U.S. DoorDash uses or has a program called Dash Pass. I think Grubhub has something similar now, where you pay ten bucks a month. They cut your delivery or they remove the delivery fees to select restaurants. And you get better promo, better promotions sometimes. So since we've been on quarantine and we're not going out to eat, uh, the wife and I have the Dash Pass now. Uh, and it has saved us over the last six months, like $200 in delivery fees. Nice. And we spent 10 bucks a month over six months. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're not going anywhere. The food's got to come to us. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's true. Jobin asks for a bunch of security question answers from me and then says, describe your perfect sandwich. I know it's not a question, but roll with it. Uh, my answer is controversial, so I'll let you go first. Oh, um, not a huge sandwich guy. Um, 
So I'll, I'll go with I'll go with my subway order with my like I've, okay. I have two orders at Subway. This is going to be controversial because I'm a picky eater and people yeah, don't yeah, yeah. like me for it. <laughs> <laughs> because anytime I say something, they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> so the first one is the, the meatball marinara sub. Okay. Uh, double orange cheddar because processed cheese sucks. And it makes okay. me sick. Toasted. Yeah. Parmesan. Done. Cool. Um, that that one makes that one makes sense to more people just because it's 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 a it's like spaghetti, basically. I'll I'll let you go with the second um, one first. Second one is <laughs> it's the exact same thing, but it's steak and cheese. Okay, so it's just cheese, the the steak and cheese, with extra cheese, toasted parmesan, done. Gotcha. There's, okay. There's nothing, no sauce or anything on it. Um, All right. On either of them. I get you. People don't respond well to that when I tell them. <laughs> I I used to be that picky. I eat more variety now than I used to, but I've I've been there. I do, I've done that. I respect it. I got no problem with that. Bless you. Uh, so the mine. I, I find the meatball marinara interesting because that's close up there for me with a fresh meatball. And my perfect sandwich is actually very similar to that, but a little different. So my perfect sandwich is a uh, chicken parmesan with red sauce and mozzarella cheese on a toasted hoagie. That's it. I can already hear the entire Calgary locker room. Oh, I know. Sprinting towards your location. A chicken parmesan sandwich is... You, your all, draft stock just want. shot up <laughs> oh, for Jesus, one please, team specifically. Oh, oh, please no. I, I don't think it, I Izzy, Izzy has the parm pigeon just honing in on your location. <laughs> I, I do love a chicken parmesan sandwich. I think it's fantastic when done right. Uh, second only to a meatball to a meatball sub with fresh meatballs and fresh red sauce. I don't know what it is about the the uh, the Subway marinara. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet, and it just for me it just it's great. Love it. <laughs> uh, I will say for Jobin, uh, a surprising runner up is the uh, is the St. Paul sandwich, which is a St. Louis special. Uh so I know that Jobin is a St. Louis guy, so he's probably aware. The St. Paul sandwich is a uh, is a Chinese food, Chinese American food delicacy from St. Louis, which is a uh, egg foo young patty with dill pickle slices, white onion, mayo, lettuce, tomato between two slices of white bread. Interesting. Which, yeah, it's it's. I, will, I would egg, hate that. Yeah, it's an egg foo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an egg foo young meal with like normal sandwich toppings on white bread. It's bizarre, but it's it's a St. Louis thing. Fair enough. Uh, Golden Apricot just says Jobin with a question mark. Jobin. All right, sure. I believe you. It's a, no, it's it's a Hamilton meme. Uh, we just started right. chanting. We we just start chanting Jobin occasionally. Okay, I um, believe you. Just because 
he needs a little bit of positivity for his accomplishments, of which there have been many. I mean, he needs the positivity in there because he sure as shit doesn't get it in Detroit locker room, <laughs> where he is, where he still has the role disappointment. He asked for that. Yeah, well, and, you know, when 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 a player asks for something on my team, they get it. Good to know. Um, uh, I think I think he also has the dumb bitch role, but he also asked for that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he asked for like all of them, right? So he has like stinky Montreal GM. Uh, we got rid of Dogfucker, right? Yeah, we got rid of Dogfucker. Uh, just because the, the, the context <laughs> for that had been lost so long. <laughs> I actually don't who, who was the stinky Montreal GM role for? Uh, I don't know who it was for. I know that nobody had it. I think that Evans had it when he got drafted to uh, to Montreal or Halifax or something. Right. Um, but he wasn't the GM, so like, I, I, that's that's one that's been lost to, to time, long lost to time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, Job Jobin definitely uh, a disappointment. I need to see what to anybody other... that wants to make an All Star team. <laughs> um, that that means never going to get old. Just fantastic stuff. I think the only role he doesn't have is the Polika role. Fucking Palika, man. Man, uh, <laughs> the the I I can't remember who it was, but re, but I remember when we were doing the uh when we were pretending that Dadbot had the Poligma emote, and <laughs> I think it was I think it was I I really want to say it was Finn, but I don't want to put it on him because it also could have been Waters. I think it was one of those two when we were putting the exclamation point Poligma and then just posting trumpet pictures. Yeah, for like uh, four days, and one of them tried to do it like three or four times and couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. Which is <laughs> arguably even funnier than making than the making fun of a literal child that we were doing. Uh, yeah, I, 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 a child is a strong word. It, he Dumb was, teenager. Yeah, I mean, fifteen is a child. No, he's, he's a high school senior. He is now. No, he was like last year. Last year, which is why I didn't feel bad about calling him an idiot oh. when he said dumb things. Well, he was an idiot and he said dumb things. Uh, speaking all of the pins in Detroit are just him saying stupid, <laughs> stupid shit. Is that pin where I told him I was going to trade him to go MHL for a for a tray and nachos and a Bud Light still pinned? I, I think I removed that pin, uh, just because other pinnable stuff has happened since, but. Always remembered. Uh, here, hold on. Let me find this. Uh, oh, God, okay. Uh, here's a, the. Actually, I'll save this. I think from. I think for the next few episodes, I'm gonna end on a Mark Polika quote. <laughs> uh, just because I think it would be fun. Uh, so, but this transitions well into our last question from Fantasins. We were all first gens together. There's a lot of that class still milling about. How has the last two years been that's that's an interesting question because mm-hmm. uh, I think back and just like all of the stuff that's happened in the last two years mm-hmm. but like on the site and off of the site right insane it's it, it has been a non-stop two years for me for sure yeah 
and yeah, like you said, on and off the site. Uh, and it feels like it only escalates more again, both on and off the site. It feels like it only escalates more with each passing day. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's the best of the answer that I can give is just, it's, uh, not where I thought I would be in two years (laughs) and not where I thought I would be in even two weeks ago. Yeah, because like I'm, tr- I'm trying to like I'm trying to do a timeline in my head. Like the day I joined the site was the day I um, booked my first therapy session because I was in a bit of a state at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that two years, I've gotten uh, engaged. Um, there was a global pandemic, mm-hmm. broke off the engagement. Um, I've been GMing a team for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm going for an expansion team. So it's just like every, every like on and off the site has just been like crazy shit for the entire time. Yeah. And it's I mean, been a wild ride. Yeah. It's I like on the site going from GMing to winning cups as a rookie to being the J commissioner to the like year in head off or the like six months I spent in head office. And then in real life, I fully changed jobs and moved to a new job and got the commissioner role and quit it. So I could focus on work and got promoted in that job. And uh, I actually, I think, let me remember the timeline. Uh, I'd have to check when my very first thread was. To double check, but I think we were all around the fifth of July. Yeah, so even even considering like, so I say this as if as if it was like a gigantic moment in my life. It was a huge moment in my life, but it didn't really change my day to day. But like, I joined the site a month before I got married. So the first two years of my marriage are time I spent on this site. Uh, and I say that that, uh, that didn't change my day to day because I had been dating my wife since 2011 and we had been living together since 2016. So day to day we were, and we already had joint finances. So we were functionally married anyways. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, knock the headphones off my head. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's all I can really think to say is it's started kind of crazy and it's only gotten weirder and it only continues to get weirder, both here and outside. It has been a time. It has been a time. I will say, though, I was, when I signed up, was not expecting to make, like, actually. Sorry, I was not expecting to actually make friends, like people that I would consider friends. Yeah, I I, to- I actually totally agree. Um, and that has happened. So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a little bit of serendipitous mm-hmm. uh, adventuring into that uh, <laughs> Reddit thread, but yeah, and and actually that's kind of weird. I mean, we've been doing this for a while. We've been at like two hours already, but I'm gonna tell the story anyways. The uh. I actually didn't join SHL the first time I saw a Reddit thread. 
So I saw the S41 Reddit recruitment thread and thought it was interesting and wanted to join it and couldn't find the thread and couldn't remember what the league was called. So I waited until the next season to, uh, until the next season's recruitments to click through the link and join the thread or join the the league. Yeah, no, that makes sense. There's a very real possibility that in an alternate timeline, I I join, I get drafted to like fucking Halifax or some shit and S40 as an S42 and just don't join, don't make an impact on the league at all. Yeah, that's crazy to think. I know my my, my funniest uh, joining timeline story is always uh, Gabe Gabe Johnson. Mm Mm-hmm. because he technically joined the site in like, I think it was 2017 or something. Yeah, yeah, I he remember. It's the same join date as Waters. Oh, but like only, to but the day? Actually cre- I think so. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, he only created like last year. <laughs> so he, he looks, when you see him on the forums, he looks like he's been around forever. Right, but he he just hasn't. He he signed up. He made an account and then just didn't do anything with it, <laughs> and then came back off of a Reddit recruitment a few years later. <laughs> and frankly, it's just the most Gabe story you can think of. Speaking of recruitment, uh, pretty fucking sweet that a goalie got recruited from the uh from YouTube recommended videos. Oh, he was a goalie. Yeah. No, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and uh, I was looking for him here, and somebody, or maybe maybe he wasn't a goalie. I'm looking at a different goalie. Uh, this goalie uh, is, this is the guy with 17 poke check. Amazing. That's, that is a man that knows what he's about. <laughs> uh, did Quebec City sign this guy? I'm not sure. I just I don't think there are any goalie spots available in the J right now. Maybe there are. I'm, I don't I, pay I'm, that much attention to other teams' rosters, but I'm second guessing if this is a goalie or not. Uh, but I don't remember where to find those players. J player, uh, SMJHL uh, player database, and then free agents. Oh no, it's this uh, center Oscar Baldus center gotcha. YouTube uh, YouTube recommendation. Gotcha. Nothing crazy about his build. So that's Yo, good. When the fuck did It's Your Boy the Legend recreate? Uh, oh, yeah, he just did and then didn't do anything about it afterwards. Um, Weird. Yeah. You Were you oh. around when that whole thing happened? Uh, uh, with with him and his his friend that were on Detroit. I remember that they were there. I don't remember anything happening. Oh, they uh they recreated half an hour before the trade deadline. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my, my, my four twenty five <laughs> forward and defenseman. After me telling them they that they if they recreated before the season was over, that they would lose their current players decided with half an hour before the trade deadline while I was away from my laptop <laughs> that that would be a perfect time to just send it. 
<laughs> and the worst part is they weren't trying to do they, they I, even though I had explained thoroughly to both of them, they both told me afterwards that they weren't trying to do that. That's really funny. And, and uh, that was the season where Detroit was. That was one of the seasons where Detroit was really, really good, and we could have won a cup. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I think oh, I'm trying man. to think when when was that? I that do was, remember uh, this now. That was like almost a year ago now. Yeah, I, I definitely I, remember I just, that. I I remember seeing a PM from Nor because I was. I, I was somewhere. I was out that evening and mm-hmm. I wasn't checking my phone for like an hour and I checked my phone and I wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's a funny little anecdote from uh, It's Your Boy, The Legend. Oh man, classic. Well, we've hit the end of our questions. We've hit two hours again. God damn it. <laughs> uh, we just love the sound of our own voices. <clears throat> Yes, I mean accurate. So, playing us out, a uh, a quote from the man himself, Mark Palika. I'm excited to see which one it is. Mark Palika, on September 17th, 2018, said, I think the most alcohol I've ever consumed was one time when the communion wine was actual wine. Had me coughing for a good five minutes. <laughs> the, the one above that in the pins is probably my favorite. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to that one. We'll, we'll save we'll save that one for another outro. We'll save that one for another outro for sure. That's our show, everybody. Thanks for oh god, I uh, will. Thanks for those of you who actually stick around, and we'll be coming at you soon with more of this. Yeah, alleged, alleged, allegedly people like this. I can't imagine yeah. why. But you know, we'll anything, we'll anything that strokes my ego is something I'm going to do more of. Absolutely. If that number goes above 15, we're doing this again. <laughs> uh, so stick around for uh, for more of this kind of format. Uh, more, A little more structure this time. So let, me, let us know if you like it, if you don't. And thanks for listening. All right, cheers, everyone. So we got Craig recording. Um, let me just get my drink a little bit closer to my location. Always important. Yes. Uh, I got some blue moon light sky and it's kind of bad. I think I had that once <sighs> and I did not it enjoy it. Just makes me wish I was drinking a real beer. Yeah. I'm not even a huge beer guy, but there's, there's, not a lot worse than kind of drinking a beer and getting like a sip in and you're just like, I don't want to finish this. <laughs> it's it's like the the seltzer thing I can get because it's like a fruit flavor malt drink thing. Yeah, yeah. But like I don't want 
a, a beer flavored seltzer. That's that's not yeah, that's something that's, I have any interest in. Any interest in? All right, you ready? I'm ready. Cool, cool. <laughs> 